Let's talk about black women and pregnancy. Let's also discuss the black men in the UK who stood up for what they believed in. What about Africa's stolen artifacts? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. Just one small positive thought in the morning can change your whole day. The Dalai Lama. So this week, I watched a new show, a children's show, in fact, called IRL, um, hosted by Charlene White, the lady who does the news. Um, really good show um, for young people, for, the, for young kids. Uh, it, when I say young kids, I mean primary school age. Um, definitely tackling uh, issues about racism and how it affects young children. And she, they really do it in a way that really hits home with young people, you know, in, in a real palatable way. So that's a really good show to catch up with your kids in the morning on ITV on Saturdays at nine o'clock. I think it was about five past nine. Really, really good show. For the adults and, and young people as well, I watched a show called Black Classical Music, The Forgotten History with Lenny Henry and Susie Klein. Really learned so much stuff. I, didn't, I had no clue about the classical composers of African descent way back before slavery and after slavery. Uh, it was a real, basically a real celebration of that black, black classical composers. They went back far as the Tudors, 1500 years before slave trade. They spoke about people like John Reason, who they sometimes called Reasonable Black Moor, uh, the Reasonable Black Man. He was a silk weaver, resident in Southwark, London, uh, in the late 16th century. And he was among the earliest uh, Africans um, working, having his own independent business um, in London in that era. I had no clue about the stuff that was going on um, to that extent where, where black people were running their own business in those times. So that was really good and enlightening to see. Never taught me about that in school at all. Um, they spoke about various people. I mean, these people you're going to have to look into and research, and I recommend you do. People like John Blank, Ignatius Sancho, um, Chavalier de George, who they called the Black Mozart. Apparently, Mozart got some of these bits and pieces from him. Very interesting story. George Bridge Tower, Samuel uh, Coleridge Taylor, uh, Scott Joplin, Shirley Thompson, and Florence Price. Shirley Thompson and Florence Price are more modern people. They're not from that era, but classical composers that, you know, did, just didn't know about these people. So, learned so much, so much. I'm really going to dig into that a bit more for sure. Um, also, found out about um, Adrian of Canterbury, um, sometimes called Hadrian with a H, um, but Adrian of Canterbury, yeah, so he was an um, African who transformed Anglo-Saxon England, who knew? He was born um, sometime before 637 and died in 710, and he was an African scholar, um, and he was, I mean, the time he was around, um, Anglo-Saxon England was, was wild and it was um, semi-pagan land, basically. And within, within a matter of years, it was the driving force um, behind rem a remarkable renaissance of learning. So this little known man, you know, Af man of Africa, um, helped the foundations of um, English culture. So these are all things that I really believe should be in the curriculum and, you know, we should everybody should learn about them because this is our history, you know, world history, English history is, is, is bigger than any one demographic. So definitely something to um, explore deeply. Um, 
Also, uh, Paul Stevenson, uh, he was a man in Bristol who was refused, he was, he was refused service in a pub and he basically reserved, he refused to leave, basically, he, he wasn't having it. It happened in um, 1964 um, in a pub called the Bay Horse Pub in Bristol. And he basically just gone in there to order a pint, ordered half a pint actually, I think it was. Um, and after, after he was served, the bartender, um, by the bartender, the manager noticed him and told him to get out, basically saying, uh, we don't want any black people in here, you're a nuisance, etc. Um, and he refused to move. Uh, basically, they called the police, um, but the, the, and the police obviously took him away, about five police took him away, spent the night in the cells. But the, the thing is, what really struck me is that in 1964, it was actually legal to refuse service uh, uh, to people just based on the colour of their skin in 1964. It's bizarre, bizarre, absolutely bizarre. But he done his one man sitting um, and it changed. Um, everything changed after that point um, and the laws changed, etc. So again, this is, this is not even that, that long ago, you know, and this is stuff we need to know about. We need to hold these people up high for sure because these are people that have paved the way for us to be able to go in there and get a pint and a Jack Daniels and, and whatever your tickle is. So um, also around that same time, around uh, 1963, there was a, a man, um, Roy Hackett. And uh, he was basically um, somebody, he, he basically saw somebody that was um, sitting down, he was upset, sobbing, etc., cetera, um, because he wasn't allowed to go for a job interview um, in regards to uh, becoming a bus driver. So he went about his he went about his business um, going back to the to, to the, the the managers etc and just explaining like how how you know you can't stop this man having an interview this is this is not on etc um, and basically done his done his piece of protesting and basically stood in front of the bus and said look no buses are not moving from it you know um, until you know we're we're able to go for jobs like everybody else and and be able to drive buses etc so he really stood up for what he believed in. And again, basically ended up getting the laws changed, which is amazing. And funny enough, it, the, the laws actually changed on the same day um, as Martin Luther King's um, I Have a Dream speech, which is quite ironic. So, um, so yeah, so Roy Hackett is another man who we, we don't hear a lot about at all. Well, I've never heard of him before this year. So, again, these things need to be spoken about to, to all of us because some, some of our history is quite far far back but there's some history that's not too long ago just the other day you know and some of these people are still alive in fact so yeah we need to hold these people up high and and explore the good that they've done for everybody else pave the way for us really so obviously we're still going through this whole coronavirus situation things we seem to be going through what they're calling a, a second wave uh, thankfully uh, people are not dying as much as they were before you know the numbers that they're quoting seem to be a lot less we've worked out how to deal with it a bit better but people are still dying and my, my thoughts and prayers go out to those people that are still dying but globally we have reached um this week we reached one million people who have died through coronavirus or coronavirus has contributed to their deaths um, this is what they're, they're, they're reporting. So significant amount of deaths, um, regardless of what the deaths are for, you know, people dying is people dying at the end of the day. And I think as, as much as there are a lot of conspiracy theories and people have got their different thoughts and beliefs about it, I think the one thing we can all um, agree with is that people have died. And 
people dying is 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 never a good thing. It's it's never um, something to be, you know, uh, played down. You know, so so yeah. So we're at a million deaths basically, um, and this is ten months after the first deaths c um, confirmed in China in January. Um, currently in England, um, it's legal to uh, mix households. Um, in the northeast and who knows that's that's probably going to spread over time you know we'll probably come in some kind of lockdown in regards to that um the who the uh, the world health organization have also spoken about um devising a cheap and quick but unreliable test for the more poorer countries to to get them tested um my i mean their, their aim and their also their aim is to um complete 120 million tests within the next six months so my thing is um what does this mean for places like africa and the caribbean you know um substandard tests um unre known unreliable um test results it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out um around uh, 40 universities have reported uh, coronavirus cases you know, as I've said many a times, this, as much as this uh, virus is affecting everybody, it really is affecting young people in a, in a real different way. And we've got to remember, at the end of the day, this is their world. You know, at this point, if you're if you're an older, senior, more senior person, you know, we're living in the world of young people. They're going to be here after a lot of people have gone. So it's affecting them in many different ways. And yeah, like I said, you know, 40 universities reported with coronavirus cases, um, which means thousands of students are having to self-isolate. Um, and this, you know, their first year at university, you know, obviously this wasn't what they signed up for, didn't think what they was going to be paying for, but this is the world they're living in. So we're going to find out the effects of this in years to come, I suppose. Um, and I hope they're not as bad as some people are predicting. Uh, the government have also um, spoken about giving um, people free adults, free A-level courses. Um, obviously, some, a lot of people are going to have to repurpose their skills, upskill, um, find different trades, etc. because many businesses have closed down. Many businesses are not going to survive the pandemic. So I think this is a good thing. You know, anything that can help people move forward in this in this current situation is, is beneficial. So free courses, that's something for people to look into if they don't already have those things. Currently, um, uh, Donald Trump is is now um, confirmed he's in hospital. Um, he, he contracted coronavirus. Him and his wife um, also tested positive. Currently, they're saying that um, he uh, has mild symptoms. I don't think his wife's in hospital at the moment, but he's in hospital and he's, you know, suffering mild symptoms, as they, is what they say. Um, we've got to remember this man's 74 years old um, and he's, clean, he's a beast, you know, um, and he's obviously has an unhealthy diet so he's obviously at high risk and he's a male so um yeah the f he, he's at high risk um, and this is coming uh, weeks before he the elections you know on the 3rd of november in america so it's a very 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 strange time you couldn't make this stuff up to be fair you couldn't make this stuff up. i mean this is a man that said he, he didn't believe in it he said loads of outlandish things in regards to bleach etc um mocking people for wearing masks etc and now he's in this situation so you know but at the end of the day he's a human being um put the politics aside um i wish him i wish him all the best i wish everybody the best anybody that's ill with anything you know i, I me personally i wish him the best regardless of their politics etc um i don't i tend not to um support putting out that negative energy of 
you know, wishing people ill health, etc. So, but I know a lot of people are, a lot of people are quite passionate about the things that he's done and said, especially over this week, you know, he was in a situation where he could have, he could have, um, you know, disassociated himself or, or, or you know, distanced himself really from the far right people um, in America and he really didn't, you know, and it was a real obvious, easy opportunity for him to do that and he specifically didn't do that. So, yeah. He has got people's backs up the wrong way, definitely. Um, they say that they're um, giving him a cocktail of anti antibodies, um, including a including remdesivir, um, which and as well as vitamin D. Um, my thing is, um, vitamin D. If if we're living in the in the UK with this limited amount of sun, vitamin D is paramount. You know, there's only a limited amount you can get for that from from the sun because we don't get a lot of sun in the UK. Um, so I think that's something all of us should be taking. But I'm really glad to hear he's taking it because that maybe that shines a light on how important it is. Um, and the truth is, why wasn't he taking it before? And why are we all not taking vitamin D supplements if we're not living in a sunny climate where you can get vitamin D every day via the sun? Question for you all. But I take mine and, and other things. Um, Lancet reports um, have said that this uh, remdesivir, um, which he's taking... Um, did not appear to affect the rates of severe acute respiratory um, syndrome um, in regards to coronavirus. So it's not even proved to be um, effective at this point, but he's taking it. So th that's interesting. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But like I said, I wish him all the best. Um, in regards to uh, our youth in the UK, young people continue to live and avoid youth violence this week you know, um, and, and that's beautiful, you know, I, I don't want to add anything more to that other than to say they continue to live and avoid youth violence this week, this youth violence this week, we haven't heard about any deaths of young people, and that's a beautiful thing, long may that last. Fred Perry, um, a brand that's been around for, for untold years, have, um, their shirt has been adopted by one of the, um, the Proud Boys, um, which is a, a, a fascist group in, a far-right fascist group in, uh, in America, which, which um, Donald Trump refused to kind of disassociate and, and, and kind of um, put down. Um, they've basically decided to use Fred Perry's um, black and yellow shirt. So um, Fred Perry and the company have halted sales of that shirt in, in the US and Canada. Um, and really just trying to disassociate yourself with, 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 with that movement. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. I mean, this has happened to be Fred Perry before, and because in the, in the UK, um, skinheads were associated with Fred Perry um, clothes, the skinhead movement. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm not sure what that is about Fred Perry's um, garment or their, their styling or whatever. So that'd be interesting to find out what that's all about. Um, in regards to the, the shooting of um, the policeman in Croydon, uh, Matt Ratner, um, they've reported that the, 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 the man they have under arrest who's still in hospital, Louise Dezosa, Dezosa, I think his name is, yeah. Um, he has, he's a, um, of Sri Lankan descent um, and he's believed to have autism, still critically in, ill in the hospital. Um, I think until they spoke about who he was, and um, his ethnicity. I think there was a lot of fit concerns within the community that he, he may have been um, of African descent, you know, a, a, a black person, young black person. Um, and I could, you can see why that would happen with all of the, the negative um, talk we hear about young people and shootings and street crime and youth violence. If they don't 
say specifically what the race is, um, it, it does um, lead you to, 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 to think maybe, maybe it's a, it's a young black person, but actually it wasn't. Like I said, it was a, a Sri Lankan, a young Sri Lankan man. So in France, um, there's been some activists, um, activists on trial um, for attempting to steal, uh, steal African staff and African staff in the, from the museum. Uh, a, a Congolese man by the name of Emery Mazula Dayabangza. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. But this activist and four others have gone, to, gone on trial in France accused of trying to steal an African artifact from a museum. They grabbed the 19th century uh, funeral stuff um, from Chad, basically, that's where it was originally from. Um, so this, this young man, Emery, he's, he's, he said on social media that he, he'd come to claim um, African stolen property. So, you know what, I mean, obviously it's a criminal act and you know he's gonna have to go through a trial and that, but listen, I, I'm with you, my man. I'm with you, you know, these artifacts need to go back to where they were stolen from. Um, there's an increasing uh, debate whether artifacts taken from colonial times should be returned. I don't think it should be a debate. Why, why should they not be given back? What would be the, the reasoning for not giving back stuff that is stolen? Um, you know, a, a crime is a crime, um, regardless of when it happened, um, and it's a crime. So give the stuff back. You know, um, so hopefully, um, hopefully by him taking this stance and, and, and doing what he's done, it creates some changes, you know, um, and I hope they're, they're lenient with him um, in regards to uh, the criminal justice system in France. In Formula One, um, they have now um, been told that they cannot wear slogans um, with messages um, in regards to, to anything, basically. Um, they've been told, it's, it's basically banned the FIA who, who, who run the whole situation with the F1. I said the, po the podium finishers must remit, remain um, in their attire only um, and their suits must be done up to the neck. Um, they're not allowed to wear um, slogans on their um, face masks either. So they didn't punish um, uh, Lewis Hamilton previously, um, but obviously they set things in motion to ban it for future things. Very interesting. Um, I, I don't agree with that. You know, at the end of the day, everybody should be able to use their platform for, for good at the end of the day. And there's nothing bad about using your platform to highlight um, discrimination and, you know, the, 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 the annihilation of discrimination in the community. So, yeah, not, not happy about that. I'm sure many people are not happy about that. Um, also, um, Paul Elliott, who's the chair of the Body of Inclusion Advi the Advisory Board um, is to review the FA Board of Diversity um, to take place over the next nine months. And basically the aim is to review um, the makeup of the uh, Football Association Board, you know, the ethnicity, the, you know, the, the lack of diversity in the board. So that's, that's really a good thing. So over the next nine months, it'd be interesting to see how many um, people of, of um, African descent we find up in those, in those places. And it won't be just because they are, are, are black and it's the time we're in, it'll be because they can do the job. They just never had the opportunity to do it. So that's gonna be interesting to see. So Royal Mail also, they've um, decided to, because it's Black History Month in the UK, obviously, you know, we have that in October, in America it's in February. Um, they've decided to paint the paint box, sorry, the post boxes black, um, but they're gonna paint four of them black. Yeah, four of them black. 
Uh, I'm not sure if we, if if you know how many uh, post boxes there are in the UK. I'll give you a second to guess. You was probably wrong. There's about a hundred thousand um, post boxes um, in the UK, but for Black History Month, they decided to paint four of them black. Um, in London, Glasgow, Cardiff, and Belfast, and this is basically to honour um, uh, Black Britons. It's not enough. Real tokenism. Real tokenism. I, I don't need to say much more on that. You can you can come to your own conclusions about that. Um, who uses letterboxes these days anyway? We use emails mostly, but um, hey, there we go. Uh, the Duchess and the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, um, they've uh, put together a thing they're calling the uh, Next Gen, Next Gen Trailblazers list, uh, which champions um, Black Britons um, throughout uh, Black History Month in the UK. Um, recognising um, a group of notable leaders whose influence is uh, making positive, lasting impact in British culture. So they're celebrating a diversity of community um, and black British excellence. So that's good. This is, this is a good thing. Um, the nom basically, they've nominated X amount of people and they've asked the nominees to, to nominate another person within the community um, who, who are creating long-lasting legacies and... Uh, for the next generation of Brits. So some of the people, I mean, there's loads of people, too many to mention, but some of the people that were nominated were Baroness Doreen Lawrence, Ashley Banjo, George the Poet, uh, Bernadine Eversato, um, Lord Woolley, John Amici, Nicola Adams, the rapper Dave, John Hutchinson, and loads more. Um, definitely look that up. It's, it's a good thing, you know. I mean, these people are in a, in a high position, you know, Meghan and, and Harry. It's really good what they're doing because um, these are people that, you know, uh, normally wouldn't have got, um, you know, they're, they're touching ears that people normally would not be able to touch, to be fair. These, these people are global, global um, celebrities and global people of significance. So that's a good. Um, so uh, Keir, Sir Keir Starmer um, has also spoken out um, and called for um, reflection of the structural inequalities and discrimination in the UK, which is, which is great. Another man that's, you know, he's got the ears of many people. So that's, I think that's really um, interesting that he's done that at this time and it's really good. Um, and he's spoken about um, that, how shocking it is that black women are five times likely to die in pregnancy and childbirth, you know, um, which, is, which is a massive thing. Um, and basically he's asked um, the, uh, the Prime Minister to launch an investigation into the issues. So we'll be watching that one real carefully because um, that's, that's really important, you know. This is our, our, our black women that, um, you know, that are going through this and it's, it's super traumatic. I mean, it's only, only through various events that have gone on this year in the media that have really uh, brought it home for me specifically, you know, to, to really understand and really empathise on another level. You know, um, and, and looking into, I mean, there's a few celebrities even go for it. I mean, Serena Williams, she gave birth to her first child, a caesarean section. Um, and um, after, the, after the birth, she became breathless, told the doctors that she believed that she was developing a pulmonary embolism, which is basically a blood clot on her lungs, which, she's, she, which she has a history of. And she had to plead with the medical team for a CT scan before they would do it. And it later proved that she was correct. So who knows what would have been the outcome if, if, if they hadn't listened to her or she didn't have the inclination to, to make a point about that. And then also Beyonce opened up about her experience um, of preeclampsia pre um, when she was pregnant with her twins, Rumi and Sir. Um, her babies were de delivered via um, emergency C-section 
and she had to stay in intensive care for weeks, you know. Um, so, so it, you know, it happens with celebrities, it happens with normal, it happens with black women, period, globally, too much, you know, and there's reasons for this, and, and those are the things that need to be explored and, and dealt with, basically. They need to be dealt with. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, and it doesn't matter how successful you are, it, it happens. And I'm sure mothers, black mothers ac across the globe um, listening to this can resonate with that. You know, and I'm, and hopefully, and I'm sure black fathers also, because obviously, you know, if, if you go through the, you go through these situations with, with the mother as well. So, yeah, um, very, um, very, very, very important to be addressed. Um, and, and sadly, this, this week, um, Chrissy Teigen, um, John Legend's wife, um, had, a, had a devastating miscarriage. Um, and she chose to post um, the pictures from the situation um, via Instagram and spoke about her deep pain after losing her son, Jack. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think her, it's surprising that she, she, she showed it on, on Instagram like that um, and showed all her pain and stuff. But, you know, it's really, I think it's really uh, bringing attention to it. Like, again, it, it really woke me up, uh, you know, on a different level, you know, understanding how much pain it causes, you know, on a deeper level so I think yeah I think it was it was good I mean I don't know if most women would have, would have done that and had the strength to do that to, to share it like that but I think it's it's going to have some positive ramifications moving forward um, um, basically I mean there's many complications um, come from pregnancy you know with mothers um, and, and, and babies but I, f I feel like miscarriage has got to be one that it's got to be the worst you know I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the worst thing that can happen um, and you know, there's so much emotions attached to, to the loss. You know, it's a loss of dreams. It's a loss of aspirations for, your, for the child. You can imagine mothers, you know, once they realise that they're pregnant, they start, they start uh, you know, thinking about, OK, this, my child's going to be this, it's going to be that. I'm going to be there for the wedding. I'm going to, you know, all of the things that are going to happen. So, and I've never thought about it like that. I didn't, I've never thought about, you know, the forward, how much forward thinking goes on once a woman sees the test that says, she's positive and she wants the child and she's happy to have the child you know so that really 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 brought it home for me um uh, and yeah there's there's just so so many women um, suffer miscarriages alone as well sometimes without medical attention you know um and that suffering and silence can lead to uh, much more physical and emotional distress you know depression anxiety self-harm even you know and and, and worse so yeah definitely we need to look into that and, and keep that on the agenda and keep it in our minds, in our hearts and minds even. Um, so over on a, on a, on a lighter note, um, uh, this uh, week, from this week basically, there's a stunning um, show um, in the skies. Um, it's called the, it's called the Orionid Meteor Shower. And it's set to light up the, the skies um, over the coming uh, days and weeks. Um, basically, it's an annual display. Um, and it began on Friday evening and, and it will peak um, in by about October the 21st. And basically, it's producing up to 20 or so meteors every hour and eventually concluding on November the 7th. So this happens annually um, around the same time, around October, November, every year. Um, who knew? But every year, um, you can see this in the sky and it lights up the sky. Um, and, and basically, um, it's going to be visible in both uh, northern and southern hemispheres um, this year. 
Um, and according to the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, stargazers will be able to um, see the meteor display with their naked eye. So I, for one, will definitely be looking out for that. You know, I love these natural occurrences and I, lo I love nature. Um, yeah, so I'll be looking out for that. So a book um, that has been suggested that I speak about today briefly um, it, that we should probably um, add to our bookshelves if we've got the space is a book by Patrick Vernon. Um, it's called A Hundred Great Black Britons. And basically it's reminding uh, the public that black people of Britain are not new, nor are we, nor did we simply appear post-slavery. So a very powerful book holding up a hundred great blacks, black Britons. Um, so yeah, this is a book to um, get out and um, like I said, squeeze it in your, in your bookshelf and read it also. Um, so um, also, I mean, something that you guys can do um, when you get the time, um, I'd really, really recommend you Google um, Ignatius Sanchez, sorry, Ignatius Sancho, and also Henrietta Lacks, yeah? If you don't know about Henrietta Lacks and Ignatius Sancho, um, it's definitely, definitely something to Google. Just take a couple of minutes and, and, and have a look. Um, very interesting people um, with a little known, little, little known, little, little spoken about history. Um, also, um, I wanna I wanna kind of leave this leave this podcast on some you know some some positive facts about this situation. I mean, we get twenty twenty is an extraordinary year. You know, we've we've never lived through a year like this in living memory, um, and hopefully we don't um, live in a year that matches it. Um, but one thing I really want to say, you know, out of all the negativity, there are countless new opportunities that just didn't exist last year. Countless new opportunities. So I feel like we have to kind of open our eyes and, 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 and you know, think laterally and, and look at, you know, this thing. Because it's been so extreme what's happened this year. Things that were possible in 2019 might not be possible now. But what that means is there's new possibilities, you know. And we, have to, we, we should be focusing on that. It's so easy to focus on the negatives, focus on the conspiracy theories, focusing on the deaths, focusing on the, this, that, the government... All of that stuff is too obvious. Let's focus on the not so obvious stuff, the countless opportunities that didn't exist last year that we can tap into. So thank you again for choosing Pablo's podcast today and hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.